Hi, it's Jenna and Becky here. And yeah, it's kind of nerve-wracking. Like there's no know, turning back time. once you start it. Every time. <laughs> we're doing it, we're doing it. So you were saying that just before we started this podcast, you're about to go into something about not giving a fuck and your mood. Oh, well, the last podcast that we did, I was feeling super frustrated. It was one of those days with a hundred tasks and then everything goes wrong. So I just felt like I didn't give a fuck. So I could just share vulnerably because I didn't care. Mm -hmm. But today it might take a little while to (laughs) get so comfortable. Yeah. It's hard being seen. Yeah. Like fully and intimately. Because that's what intimacy is, right? Is being seen. That avatar into you I see. It's actually hard to recognize when you're afraid of being seen. So what, what's been your journey with that? Uh, I'm a cancer, so I like to hide in my shell. Mm-hmm. And I also hide behind other people really easily, like a boss. I love hiding behind authority figures. Mm-hmm. So they tell me what to do and I can fulfill that role 150%. But it's hiding because I'm not really using my voice. Mm -hmm. Like I could say, hey, follow these three things or do this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. But it's coming under the guise of (laughs) by this employer, Mm -hmm. not by Jenna Howden. Right. It's like the people that that use that royal we, like we like this or we as couples do that often mm-hmm. and it usually is the woman in the couple that's mm-hmm. like yeah we like this movie or we think this yeah or we want you to do this and it's like well do you want that or both it's really you? annoying it's really annoying really annoying I used to do it all the time John said this and John said that John thinks this actually I think this but I'm mm-hmm. too afraid to own the thought because what if somebody doesn't agree right yeah, exactly. And I don't want to have to defend it because I don't feel yeah. I don't feel confident enough in myself to back myself. Right. And so you need to you need to have somebody who has more authority than you, perceived by you, mm-hmm. than you to back up what you say as opposed to just backing yourself. Yeah. So what's the cost of backing yourself? It's vulnerability, right? Like why are we doing that? What do you have to give up to be seen? Yeah. Coming out of the closet, essentially. Mm-hmm. People might not like you. Well, for me, it's that I might have to have conflict with people. Mm-hmm. If somebody doesn't like what I said, under, say I write a blog post and it's under a certain business that someone else owns, that can get redirected to my boss. I don't have to necessarily face up to that. Right. But now you're your own boss. But when I'm my own boss, anything I say could offend anybody. So then that comes back at me and I have to Mm -hmm. actually show up for that. Right. Neither back it or realize that you made a mistake. So I think for me, the cost is having to be in conflict at times. Right. And I would do anything to get away from that before. Because it's a lot of sensation to hold. It actually body. felt like death the first couple yeah. times I had to have conflict with people. 
and back myself in it instead of just acquiescing and saying, yeah, 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 you're right. You're right. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll try to smooth this out for you, but actually holding my opinion and saying Mm -hmm. like, no, I actually really do think this and you're allowed to think what you want, but I'm not going to back down having to stick through that. Oh God. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The first couple of times it actually felt like I was going to die. Like my body would shake. I, I probably cried. I did Mm -hmm. cry. Uh, I, I feel like a it, it's definitely a stress trauma response for me too because it's like cold sweat like uh-huh. you said like I get but my face gets hot and it's just like this overwhelming sense of dread and the feeling doom. like I have to get out of here right now like I have to run mm-hmm. I have to run I can't stay yeah. here yeah I'm I used die. to get that feeling every time a boss would text me mm. I would just be like okay I'm in trouble yeah or I did something wrong or I'm getting corrected on something and that that sensation would overcome me of just like pure cold dread mm-hmm. in my body but now that I can recognize that sensation and recognize that it's a trauma response and not necessarily the end of the world like I used to think every time mm-hmm. now I can hold more of that sensation of of having a conflict where I might be accused of doing something wrong yeah because being wrong in my mind is like the that is death. It is. Because it affects your reputation, and then it, your reputation is kind of your power. And that's your money. And that's your money, and that's your, your survival. way in the world and your survival. So that's what I would say the cost of being seen is, is that vulnerability of, oh my god, they could think that I'm wrong or bad, and then I could get kicked out of the tribe. Yeah. And die. Yeah. It's a death. Yeah. Which is funny because we were talking, my family and I were talking about the fear of death and how everybody kind of has a fear of death operating in the background and as we should because mm-hmm. we're mortal humans and we need things to keep us safe. But it, that psychological death is different. The emotional death, the ego death is a different kind of death than actual physical death. Mm-hmm. But we combine the two in our minds. And... I've had panic attacks too, where I literally get trapped on my couch once for four hours. When I quit my job and had to represent myself and my own private business, it felt amazing in the moment. When I finally, it took me a couple days to work up the courage to actually send in my resignation. Mm-hmm. Felt amazing. And then right after I clicked, I literally sunk into the floor. And then I got stuck there for like four hours between crying and like hyperventilating, watching videos on how to get out of a panic attack. Such a water sign thing, too, right? <laughs> but the thing is, you can't get out of it. The yeah. only way out is through. Yeah. So instead of running away, you have to practice staying there. And holding the sensation. It's the bravest thing you can do in any situation when you want to run. Just hold the sensation instead. Just hold the sensation. That's actually how your strength builds up. And you can practice practice backing yourself, getting confident, being seen. Mm -hmm. Is by holding the sensation of discomfort. Right. You're showing yourself. You're showing yourself that you can hold that sensation. Mm -hmm. Which builds trust in yourself. Which means you're free. Because then you can go into any situation and know that you can handle it. Yeah. No, you're not going to die. Whether it's humiliation or rejection or somebody telling you you're wrong. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, God. All those things. All those things. All those things awful. in the last two years as I've been learning to back myself, I've had to face each of them multiple times. Mm-hmm. And it does get easier in the sense that it's high sensation every time, but you know that there's something on the other end waiting for you that feels amazing. That treasure. 
Yeah. Yeah. But the first couple times, you don't know it's there. Right. And you're not used to it. So it it feels scary in that you're like, I don't know if I'll come out of this alive. Yeah. Yeah. So Jenna and I really like the hero's journey story. And Jenna Jenna uses it for a... Because she's a writer, so she uses it more in the storytelling. And I bring in an element of personal transformation, which is why it resonates with me. But if you were to tell a a hero's journey-ish story about how you've overcome something like that with holding sensation and facing your demon, facing the the death feeling, and then getting that treasure on the other side of it, because that's what the hero's journey Mm -hmm. is, is, is you fight the dragon, you face death, and then on the other side of that, you get something to take home with you. So... Yeah, I can think of multiple. I can think of one in relationship with a family member, and I can think of one in business. I could tell both, but one of the first big parts of facing conflict when I was on the path of self-discovery and figuring out who I am and what I really want was actually facing conflict with my mom. Do you remember that? I called you afterwards. The one where she left the house? Yeah. Yeah, yeah tell that story. I'm trying to remember what we were actually... Oh, now I remember. So she said that she was going to show up to babysit so that I could go write. And she didn't show up at the time she said. She thought that that would be okay. It was a boundary crossing. Right. But in our family, there are no boundaries and you just get trampled on all the time. Right. And in all fairness, she's completely unconscious that she's doing it. Mm -hmm. Because this has been something that's been passed down. So I don't blame her, but this was where I started practicing actually holding a boundary for the first time. Mm -hmm. Oh, it was scary as hell, Mm -hmm. (laughs) especially with your own mother, who's the real authority figure in your life, your parents, the initial ones. And so I basically called her out on it. Mm -hmm. And I said, like, it's not okay for you to just not show up when you say you're going to show up. Right. Because I had expectations and now my whole day is screwed because of this. Mm-hmm. I lost the day because of you and I would have asked somebody else to do it because I have other people that could support me. And she threw everything she had at me because it hurt to mm-hmm. receive that. <laughs> and all your worst fears that that you're selfish, that, that you're I'm selfish. Too much. That you ask for too much, that you... That I have no respect for all they've done for me with the past years, which which is a lot. So she's right there. And I had to fight the fact of like, oh my God, I'm used to throwing myself under the bus too and agreeing with her. Mm -hmm. So I had to fight through that and be like, no, no, hold your ground, hold your ground. Mm -hmm. Both things can be true, right? She does a lot for you and it's still not okay to say that you're going to do something and and then not show up for it. Yeah. And then she threw the threats are when you know you're really close. Right. (laughs) It's like the dark night of the soul where the Mm -hmm. heroes, it's like the bitter end and there's no way out. And um, the threats always come. And the threat was maybe we shouldn't ever watch the girls again. Which you know is an empty threat. Yes. (laughs) Right. Really? Really, Grandma? You're not going to watch your grandkids ever again? (laughs) Yeah. But it cuts. It hurts. It did. And then I just... I'm Because I'm a Cancer, too, I'm stubborn as hell. 
So once I decide something, Mm -hmm. you cannot convince me out of it because my pride is like miles long. Mm -hmm. And so this little sticking point held me to it. And I was like, fine, don't. Yeah. Called her bluff on it. Yeah. And she actually like got up and left the house. She left. And I had to come to this point of questioning myself. Like, what if, what if she cuts me out of her life? Mm -hmm. Like, what if she leaves forever? And right. never supports that's, me again. That's the facing death, right? Yeah. And then I was like, you know what? It's not worth it. It still isn't worth it. And I hope that she comes back. But who am I going to pick at the end of the day? I'm going to pick myself. Mm-hmm. That was a real turning point for me. Was I realized that I had chosen myself finally. Mm-hmm. It was really important. And she did come back. And I really feel like it made our relationship stronger in the end. But it's also a good model to her of how to hold a boundary. Mm -hmm. Because the same thing happens to her with lots of people in her life too. Right. So it's setting a new standard. Mm -hmm. What's acceptable and what's not. What what boundaries even are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you you reset the terms of your relationship that day. Mm -hmm. And she did have to... She reached a cross point where she had to decide do I want to show up in this relationship differently or do I want to abandon it? And it's fairly in hindsight and yeah. in, in the context of her being your mom. But it's a marker too, because it was me saying to her, I'm an adult, I'm not a yeah. child, mm-hmm. and you don't get to just do what you want to me. Right. I get to define my own terms of what's acceptable yeah. behavior for me. And you were willing to take the risk of her mm-hmm. saying... No, that doesn't work for me. Which is easy to say now, but oh God, that was a really, really scary risk to take in the mm-hmm. moment. For sure. Especially when she got up and left my house. Right. And you... I thought maybe I've lost her forever. Yeah. Which... And that, yeah, that's that death feeling. Especially with your mom who was, mm-hmm. you, you're so ingrained within the archetype of who she is, represents to you. And at the same time, I'm super grateful. Like she has given me so much help with my daughters too that I was like I could be risking any potential help for the future Mm -hmm. where in the past we've been just shut the hell up just shut the hell up and just like take what you need to take Mm -hmm. because what if you don't get anything exactly she could just take all of her toys and go home and you'd never see her again Mm -hmm. but again in the context of her being your mom it doesn't I mean when you pull out into the big picture from an outsider perspective and you're not triggered Mm -hmm. (laughs) It seems like you're like, oh yeah, like of course that was gonna turn out. But when you're triggered and it you're doesn't in the moment, always, though, in some families there are true. estranged family members. That's true. So like, I mean, it anything could happen, right? Mm-hmm. But it's interesting. Boundaries get the the term around boundaries gets conflated and confused often. Mm-hmm. Around it's about controlling somebody else's behavior. It's like, oh yeah, having good boundaries means that I get to dictate what other people do around me. And to an extent that's true because you're teaching people how to treat you, but you always have to be willing. You have to have enough self-love. Yeah, I actually think it's just about self-love. I don't even want to think about any other people when I do it. It's just about, is is it okay for me to be treated this way? Like, is this a loving way to treat myself or be treated? And I'm willing to walk away if not. Yeah. And that's where the self-love piece comes in. It's like, I'm whole enough within myself 
mm-hmm. and I trust myself enough that I can find a relationship like this that have all the good parts to it. I can find that again mm-hmm. in some other person who is willing to respect my boundaries. And that's the death because you're letting go mm-hmm. of the old and yeah. shifting your identity Yeah, in that moment. Exactly. But that willingness to stand in your own power. Yeah is what actual boundaries are. It's not about saying, like, you have to do this or I'll walk away. It's like, if you do this... That's just conditional love. Right. That is conditional love. Like, but I'll it's only like, love you if yeah. you do this and you don't want to be... Mm-hmm. You know what? You're better off without that. Yeah, exactly. Because you'll always be playing the game. Right. Because you're, you're, you're accepting crumbs. Yeah. If you just let people cross your boundaries without any kind of consequence of what you will do for yourself. And if you have to behave in a certain way for someone to love you, (sighs) that's a cage. Yeah. That's a never ending Mm -hmm. prison. Right. But it's so, I have a lot of compassion for it too, because it is, it is a lot of our cultural conditioning to be codependent in that way. Yeah. And to, not stick up for yourself or to let yourself get to the point where you're explosive well I still get a lot of labels for that like for holding boundaries in my family I get called oh you're so stubborn you're so strong-willed with but you were called that before but not to the same degree now it's just like common phrase everybody says that I've been called selfish too all of these different words and now I'm like yeah I am I'm all those things they're little they're badges. They're badges now because you can wear them as badges. But what they're intended to be is little little rocks thrown at your boundary to see, will she actually uphold it? Mm-hmm. But there's also an element of jealousy in that too, of like, why does she get to hold up her boundaries if I'm not allowed to do that? And mm-hmm. they're, they're going into victim. Yeah. Yeah. Of, she, she's not following the family rules. That doesn't seem fair. So why does she get to make her own rules? Why does she get to all of a sudden make her own rules and change the dance? You know why? Because it takes courage. It does. And if you don't have courage, you don't get to make the rules. Mm-hmm. But it's cool because when you start doing your own transformational work and having that courage to go outside the norm of your family customs, then I lost my train of thought. obviously it was gonna be something super deep what was i talking about when you have the courage to go outside the norm oh yeah okay so yeah when you have the courage to go outside your your family customs you change the dance within the family and that change brings a different energy like it brings a friction Mm -hmm. and that friction is energy yeah and that that energy creates change you know what and though? then everyone around you is affected and you might have to wear the badge mm-hmm. <laughs> for a while whatever term they're going to put on you right but i think in my own family all of a sudden my mom's starting to slowly lay some boundaries with her own family members her mm-hmm. sisters that's what i mean you can so, yeah see. it trickles down yeah you can see like, how it how it affects every person that's in your constellation mm-hmm. that you're attached to in your network every person that you directly touch in that way in that energy yeah. or 
whatever transformation process you've brought to it magnetizes everybody else. It's like what we were talking about with the short-term game, long-term game. Mm -hmm. In the short term, it can be painful, it can be scary, it can be extremely uncomfortable and feel like death. Mm -hmm. But if the long-term game, if you hold to it, because you know in the long-term it means self-love and that it's in the best interest of everyone involved because of that trickle-down effect, that makes it easier to be courageous and hold to it. Right. But if you can only think in the short term, which in the start, that's how I was. Well, thinking short term is an addictive process. It's what Mm -hmm. addiction is, right? It's that short term gratification Mm -hmm. with no long term vision, no long term. Because, yes, it feels better to come home and drink a beer than it does to go to yoga. But or to just acquiesce when someone says something that you don't agree with. And it might be insulting or offensive to you. Mm-hmm. You just don't say anything and go along with it. It's easy to hide again, that, mm-hmm. that hiding. But it's like stabbing yourself in the back over right. and over again. Because long term, in the long game, it doesn't... It's self-love. The long game is self-love every time, yeah. just in different packaging. Which can be uncomfortable when you're not used to holding that sensation of... of conflict or uh, whatever it Mm -hmm. is to have that longer term gain right Mm -hmm. yeah I like what Amber said in the last podcast Amber Khan in her very did you listen to the last one no I didn't hear it it's so good it's so good and she talked about how patience is the biggest sign of respect Mm. and I like for yourself for the for whatever you call the universe or god or whatever it is that's keeping this construct together it's respectful to that it's respectful to yourself it's respectful to your partner she was talking about it in terms of relationship in that when you meet somebody and you're patient with them let's say they're like i'm not ready to date or i don't know if i like you Mm -hmm. or and you're you're not pushy you're just like okay i'm good here well, pushy is just way. very clear resistance. Right? You're urgent because you're, like, afraid you're not going to get it. Yeah. If you're afraid you're not going to get it, you've got to force it to happen. Yeah. And fast. Because what if it slips away? Right. But patient, you know. Patience you're is trusting. confidence. It's confidence. Yeah. It's confidence. Mm-hmm. And it's also accepting what is. Yeah. You're like, yeah, I, I really want this. And I have desire around yeah. this. But I'm also accepting things as they are right now. Right. Which builds trust because then that person can see that you aren't just in it for yourself you're in it for them too and you are in it for yourself in that you don't want somebody who doesn't want you in Mm -hmm. that moment and you have the self-love and the self-realization to see that but also you respect them and their process and their autonomy and their free will that when they're ready they'll choose you or they won't and either way you're you're okay and that's what freedom is right that's attraction too and that's attractive (laughs) yeah because you don't want somebody that needs something from you. Which is all this dating advice right now that's out there. Even the Matthew Hussey stuff. It's all about tactics and techniques. Mm-hmm. And like what to text and how to, how to manipulate the situation. And I like what Amber has been saying. It's just, just do you. Be at the fountain. Yep. Do your thing. Work your work. Do and your the passion. the only tactic is... The self-love. And the tactic holding, is the self-love. Because holding the boundaries with somebody if they disrespect you. Yeah. And being willing to walk away if they're yeah. not what you want right now. Like respectfully walk yeah. away. 
Because the only thing that's guaranteed is yourself anyway. Mm-hmm. At any moment in time, anything could be could fall away. Mm-hmm. Right, there is no guarantee. Yeah, even if you think it is, it's a false yeah. comfort. Everything's constantly changing. But that's, you'll be able to adapt if you are accepting of that. Yeah. And no that's true even when you're in a relationship. Exactly. Things can change on a dime. Yeah. And so being willing, being able to hold yourself and know that oh you're God. okay. This just made me think of this meme that I've been seeing all over Facebook. It makes me feel sick to my stomach. It's like a picture of a woman. And it said... I asked God to send me a man that loved me, so he gave me a son. Ooh. Ooh. I know, I've been seeing that posted all over Facebook. Just oh, like, that's so abusive. Ugh. Can you explain why? Oh, it's emotional incest. <laughs> There's no way that you should be treating a, a relationship. This is maybe going to be inflammatory but this is my opinion i know this would offend so many people if they knew that i thought that too i and i don't mean to offend but this is my opinion this is my truthful opinion on this knowing what i know about uh codependency and enmeshment and how that affects relationships later on that that dynamic of treating kids like they're adult relationships and emotionally depending on kids like you would an adult having a child so that you can feel loved it, it affects them. It affects oh. them in their relationships later on. And then this, this, and it's not your fault really if you do that because you probably had it done to you. Mm-hmm. So it's not about blame, but it is about interrupting the cycle. And I mean, like, that's what makes, that's what's made this fuckboy culture. Yeah. That's exactly it. Is, is that relationship. Because yeah. then they get to be a teenager and they're like, I gotta get away. Yeah. I gotta get away. I've been, like, I've had this, these hands around my throat my whole life because I have I've to give love. I've been emotionally responsible. I'm being used. Yeah. As a love machine for yeah. my mother. For my own mother. Or father, I think it or father. happens too. But, but, and again, it's not about blame. It's not about blaming the parents. My mom gets really offended when, <laughs> it's always the mom's fault. It's not about blaming. It's about finding the cycle of of what's happening and again because healthy people don't don't continue the cycle so we want to interrupt the cycle heal it so well, what, that we don't what that means is really it. saying is that i feel extremely unloved yeah i feel extremely unloved and i don't know i don't believe that anybody would love me mm-hmm. unless they had to unless they had to Unless they were in my literal den, dependent on me. Dependent. So they were forced to love me. Yeah. Oof. Oof. And then, yeah, then they just need to get away from women. And when they grow up, they have commitment issues. They can't actually form good bonds with women. Because as soon as they do, something clicks in their reptilian brain that's like, nope, this is dangerous because she will smother me. Yeah. And then on and on the cycle goes. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, it's a big issue. And it, it's, again, it's not to blame anyone or... No. Or, or chastise anyone. But it is, it is what I, in my opinion, what has created fuckboy, fuckboys. 
Yeah, I think so too. I just remind myself as a parent all the time, no matter what happens, my children don't, I don't own my children. Mm I have a relationship where I do my best to take care of them and really build a strong relationship with them, which isn't perfect either, Mm -hmm. and I fuck up all the time. But I remind myself that they are the only owners of themselves. Well, think about it. And as the tighter my grasp is, the farther they'll try to get away. It's just, just think about yourself. Yeah. Right? Like you were, you have an inner child. You were a child. You have parents. Do they own you? No. No. But the, the ways that they have lived through you or like vicariously or otherwise, that has taken a toll Mm -hmm. right like there's been a cost to that so being able to being able to mitigate that risk I think is important Mm -hmm. and I think sometimes we're in a culture too where people's adults like there always has to be that there's like the four agreements or some book where they say Mm -hmm. like the warrior phase Mm -hmm. laying boundaries is the warrior phase Mm -hmm. but like I'm in my 30s starting that mm-hmm. yeah and I think a lot of people are even later and don't even get to that phase yeah when you're in the people pleasing I listen to the rules and even if it means disrespecting myself so I won't lay boundaries you're still actually living as a child mm-hmm. you haven't come out of that yet mm-hmm. yeah I remember my mom went to her first yoga class or something yeah it was some kind of mind body class and she came back and she was like the instructor told me to tune into my body and listen to my body and I was like okay mom that sounds good like that's legit and she's like nobody has ever told me to do that nobody's ever suggested that to me Mm -hmm. before like that was a foreign concept in her mind and I just remember being like really really that's almost sad Mm -hmm. that that generation this wasn't even talked about like we're so we're so lucky and to be able to have this information the reason my mom wants us to avoid conflict is because potentially with them there could be physical consequences right yeah so pain was very real pain and suffering Mm-hmm. they're coming from a really honest place I definitely respect that mm-hmm. and so I want to be as gentle as I can be even when I'm triggered if I can be conscious enough mm-hmm. about what our parents are going through too in this whole process yeah because it was a survival it was an yeah, actual literal physical, survivor. physical Sur- survival, survival. Mm-hmm. and I think that there was that Om Rupani post a couple days ago that was talking about why women lie specifically mm-hmm. why women lie to men and he says in it he says like there was an adaptive process going on there where mm-hmm. women had to learn adaptively that they had to cater to men's egos to a certain extent in order to not be killed mm-hmm. because men are so much physically stronger than women yep. so there's a reason why we do this these little white lies and this ego stroking that is adaptive but now using that as an excuse is like a evolutionary or biological excuse when we do know better and we need to evolve out of that which happens by leading by example right in your own life and realizing that okay i can say the truth in a gentle way 
-hmm. and I can trust that this man will be able to receive whatever my truth is and be able to stay present for it. Mm -hmm. But we have to teach both both the masculine and the feminine that it's safe to hold the truth because it's a lot of sensation and our parents and our children yeah and also recognizing that my children are going to be way smarter than me they should be yeah that's how it's meant that's That's the evolution should be is that you um who said this example i think it was like doctor it was a psychologist that said this i believe but they said when you're a child and you're on the playground you go out you learn something a trauma or something comes back or clashes with your worldview and you run back to your parent and you're comforted and you keep doing that and you keep doing that and you keep doing that until you hit the level of their consciousness Mm -hmm. so you go as far as they went in the in the game is that from the conscious parenting i think so book dr shafali sabari Mm -hmm. i think it was her And then when you come back, all of a sudden they can't comfort you because they haven't mastered that level and you're meant to go on out on your own. That's the hero's journey starting Mm -hmm. is you start to go on your own quest and you're not going to be backed by your parents because you have to learn how to back yourself. Mm -hmm. That's how it's meant to be. That's how, that's what evolution is. Mm -hmm. It's, it's coming out of the cave and facing, having, and this is where fear and desire are so evolutionarily linked to right it's like we're all living in caves and then somebody has the desire to go outside but along with that desire is fear Mm -hmm. that follows and so to get the thing that we want we have to be able to overcome that fear and And that's that's why desire and fear are, are two sides of the same coin that actually makes me think of the second story i had which was the business side for the hero's journey for the hero's journey because I am a writer, but I'm also a speech language pathologist and a teacher. And I started creating my own workshops about a year ago. And the first one I ever created, I went so big on it. I was selling my packages for $450 in a really nice hotel. I wanted to go all out because my desire was that experience. Mm-hmm. So I went for it. And same thing, at first it was super exciting. And then there was the realization of, oh shit, how am I going to do this? I have no experience in this. Who the hell do I think I am? Oh yeah, that, that imposter. Who the hell complex. do I think I am? Yeah. And you're like, but I already booked the hotel. They're I already gonna f- put the down payment on. <laughs> They're going to find out that I'm an imposter. Oh my God, what if one person shows up and then not just am I only out of this money, but one person shows up and they're like, what that's always my fear too is that like there's only one i'm the only person here right and you are hosting this like that's that's always my biggest embarrassment when i put up a workshop it's i'd rather get no people than one person oh god the humiliation it's like yeah (sighs) nobody was interested in this really Uh, at least if it's zero then i can just cancel it but yes. if it's two people you have to do it i have to do it you have to share the vulnerability of being seen Mm mm-hmm being seen and nobody wanted but you know what i've had workshops where only three people sign up and they're the best they're so good they're the resonant thing in the moment they were the right thing they're the right thing in the moment and then i get to put my attention really deeply on three Mm -hmm. people so the quality increases yeah and we all get more out of it than we maybe would have if there were ten people. and that's taking the perspective that you're also on equal footing 
Mm-hmm. Like you might be leading and guiding and facilitating, mm-hmm. but you don't see yourself necessarily as superior because you're actually learning to mm-hmm. your partners. Yesterday, my co-star app said that the best teacher is a friend, not a guru. Mm-hmm. And that really resonates with me. Yeah, that is. That I'm on the same playing field. I'm not looking to be a guru or even really a teacher. I'm looking to be somebody that you can bounce ideas off of and uh, I can help you reverse engineer your thinking. But I think that's what I've learned from you is that you can have long-term relationships inside and outside of business Mm -hmm. with your clients. That was a myth that was like, you don't do that. Right. If you want to be professional, you do not do that. Right. And the short-term gain of like, okay, you sign up to my course, you pay me, and then that's it. Go our own ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the long-term relationship piece? It, it is. It comes back to the boundaries and setting containers. Of, this and you is do our... have to have them because otherwise Definitely. it's dangerous. Absolutely. But also excluding that opportunity is also dangerous. And I did come across something in my readings that said that, like, you don't, especially in small communities, you're going to have overlapping relationships. So you might as well learn how to have good boundaries and say, okay, this is what we are in this container. This is what we are in this container. Mm -hmm. If it feels like things are getting blurry or overlapping, we know we're going to have a conversation about it. And all of that is part of the informed consent process of your whole relationship of okay this is where I'm at this is where you're at let's negotiate kind of some of the grayer areas and make everything overt instead of covert yeah and that's that's uh it sounds like red tape boring contracty kind of stuff but it actually builds intimacy in relationship because you're getting to know somebody deeper Mm -hmm. and yourself deeper and that's where the really deep connection the fulfillment comes from Mm-hmm. and purpose from your relationship mm-hmm. you have to think about like why there's certain clients that I have that I do become friends with and there's a purpose to our relationship like I get something out of it too mm-hmm. we both get something out of it I don't become friends with everybody but and that's fine too just like in life I don't become friends with every single person that I come across yeah. but there are certain people that you just do really vibe with and yeah, that does go against the professional <laughs> ethics, but I do think that it's a short-term thinking of like, just mm-hmm. avoid the problem by avoiding it. Yeah. Just avoid it. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. But avoidance what if you can't? Key. But yeah. here's the thing too, if we're talking about avoidance and fear. So when I go back to that initial workshop that I did and I was selling these $450 packages at the hotel, I had... Two people signed up, mm-hmm. and it was weeks away, and I'd been advertising it in different formats for, like, a month and a half, and I was like, oh my god, oh my god, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. And so, and then on top of that, I had another professional from the community basically call me up, and I would probably interpret her words differently now because of the frame and the filter that I'm looking through it, mm-hmm. but I interpreted it as, like, who the hell do you think you are? Mm-hmm. That came reflected back to me from the community right. by a superior, someone who had more experience in the field. Mm-hmm. was like, what are you doing? But I think that's a really important hindsight point to point out that 
we are seeing things through filters and that because I remember having that conversation with you because you told me basically verbatim what she said and I was like I'm not taking that the same way as you yeah and either John didn't think of it that way either and but you took it in in that's where the mirror thing comes in I was looking for that you were looking it was my for worst that. fear yeah it was my worst fear and it happened and then I literally got so frozen I laid in my bed and I felt like I was stuck there mm-hmm. I was paralyzed with fear and it lasted for hours and all I could do was put on a guided meditation that was telling me how to surrender and breathe mm-hmm. but that actual process got me out of bed because it got me to the point where I, I sat through the discomfort long enough that I could get to the other side and then I wrote out every fear that I had. It was vicious. The mm-hmm. thoughts that I was thinking about myself. Fear inventory. I wrote them out on a piece of paper and it was like, you're a fucking loser. You're going to look like mm-hmm. a complete idiot. You have no idea what you're talking about. Everyone's going to spread this around. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> You're just, it's going oh to lead to your death. But those things were all nagging me. They were in the back of my mind already. They were dancing around. I just didn't have my finger on them, but they were causing me tons of fear. And so then I wrote them out and I had them on a piece of paper and I faced every single one and I just sat with them and I imagined, I don't know why I did this, maybe because it was the only thing left to do. Mm-hmm. But after I wrote all those things out, I sat with every single statement And I imagined I was just embracing it into my body. Mm -hmm. And afterwards, I felt okay. I didn't feel good. So you integrated it. Like you pulled it in and you were like, I will hold the sensation of what this fear is and face it directly and move through it. And that's what integration is, is being able to hold the sensation of that thing that you think is going to kill you and face it and be like, you know what? do your best because there was nothing else to do right it's complete surrender yes it was surrender and then and then what's on the other side of that fear oh man I didn't feel better I wouldn't say it was better but I felt like I got to a point where I had accepted the situation and I was like you know what if only these two people show up I just what you said I'm gonna give them the most attention and we're gonna have the best time because we can go so deep together Mm -hmm. on the topics and that's going to be great. And I'm just, I'm okay with that. And it'll be practice for me. Exactly. Yeah. And I was like, Because I'm what? building a practice. I'm building a, a mastery. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is the thing that I needed. This is the, this is the thing I magnetized for a reason. Because this is all I can handle right now. Yeah. And it's the learning that I need right now. Mm-hmm. Because they took a risk. And it's like, you hear the thing, jump and the net will appear. Well, I don't think that's exactly true. <laughs> Because I jumped and I was like, where the fuck is the net? <laughs> I'm like, just now, scrambling. Now I'm humiliated because really, everyone saw me jump and now there's no fucking net. And I told them there would be. But really, you were still in free fall. You hadn't landed yeah, yet. I was. And here's the thing. This was crazy. And it was like a life-changing moment. Within 10 minutes of that acceptance, I got a phone call and five people signed up. Okay, so you did... You did feel better after that. After that, I did. Then I was ecstatic. Right. But I had to go through it knowing that that might not happen. I had to actually accept what right. was. Again, that I willingness to, to walk side. away. Mm-hmm. That willingness to be like, you know what? I'm okay either way. Mm-hmm. And then that opens up a portal well, for learning, anything to come through. That, that is one of the keystone learnings that I've had happen mm-hmm. for me. So again, bringing it back to the hero's journey... 
it's facing that fear that's a way through to desire because you're you're facing the fear going through it doing fear inventory is really helpful mm-hmm. for that because you write down all of your fears so you can I see have them. fear that I have fear that I have fear that I have fear that over and over again whatever the fears are then you can see the the patterns mm-hmm. face it and then you get the goodies on the other side which is your desire is the thing that you want and what did you yeah. want out of this situation that you got I actually just wanted to have my little community and share. And like, have the experience. Have the experience of the workshop. That really is it. It's the experience. Yeah. I wanted to host a high-end workshop. That was the desire. Mm-hmm. And you did it. And I did it. And you nailed it. And I had 16 people sign up in the end, which yeah. felt amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So good. But so you have good. to go through it. Totally have to go through it. What time are we at? 45 minutes, good place to wrap up. I feel yeah, like we peaked so. there. Yeah, we did. We peaked. For sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll explain what the peaking thing means at some other point. <laughs> it's an <laughs> orgasm thing. <laughs> it's interesting. In my acting class, we're talking about climaxes and, you know, you build every scene. You build up into mm. a climax. And then, and then that right at that tipping point is where you're peaking. Which is literally called the climax when you mm-hmm. look at plot structure. Exactly. And so that's, that orgasm cycle is built into every energy dynamic, every situation. You build, 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 climax, and then you have a resolution phase. Mm-hmm. And all of that is just a pattern. Astrology mm-hmm. is just a pattern. It's just a way to, to organize the world in a way that opens up your mind. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's a topic for another, <laughs> another podcast. This was really fun, really good. And we'll talk to you again soon. Bye.